What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Fuelcraft Survival Podcast. This is Austin, your host for the ad space today. And if this is your first time tuning in to our podcast, then welcome. Uh, we appreciate you being here, and we appreciate the support, and we look forward to bringing you into the community of preparedness. I'm going to go ahead and jump into the sponsors that make this content free for you guys. And our first sponsor today is the Personal Defense Network. If you're interested in being just a better prepared human, which I know you are if you're tuning into this podcast, then the Personal Defense Network can help. They have an amazing offer for our listeners. Sign up for the Personal Defense Network premium membership with this exclusive Fieldcraft Survival deal and get a full year of their premium membership for only $3. That's 96% off their normal price. Visit go.personaldefensenetwork.com forward slash survival to take advantage of this great offer. Discount will be applied automatically at checkout. You can join a community of thousands who are committed to developing their personal defense skills. Premium membership gives you access to hundreds of full-length videos led by expert instructors in their areas of personal defense, safety, and security. Their video topics include emergency medical techniques, armed and unarmed defense, firearm training, security techniques and tactics for your home or workspace, defensive gear, and much, much more. So sign up for Personal Defense Network Premium Membership now for just $3 for the entire year. Go to go.personaldefensenetwork.com forward slash survival. You'll also find that link in the show notes to this podcast. And we actually partnering up with them because as an instructor for this company as well, uh, we would always recommend and I would always recommend that you guys go train with tons of people, you know, and not to just get one perspective, you know, being able to tap into other networks and hear their experiences and learn from their perspectives is always going to be value added to your preparedness level. Next up is Triarch Systems. If you're not familiar with Triarch Systems, then you need to go over to triarchsystems.com and check out what all they're doing over there. They make the premier weapon systems, in my opinion, and as well as the rest of the training staff for Fieldcraft Survival. Um, Triarch Systems is full of great people, which is why we ultimately partnered with these guys. Chris Reeves and the gang there have been supporting us since day one. They were even nice enough to come out to our grand opening and help support us in that way. So thank you to you to those guys, and make sure you guys head over to triarchsystems.com. And use code FIELDCRAFT, one word, and it'll save you 5% on your next build with Triarch Systems. In this podcast today, Mike talks about the gas pipeline kind of crisis that is, is happening on the East Coast right now. And how that really ties into your preparedness and, uh, and tying it in with mobility. And he has a, a really interesting uh, look at what a lot of people are taking as something um, that is really a crisis, but giving you some, some great preparedness tips and some hope on the end of how being better prepared will set you up for success when these types of things happen. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Philcraft Survival Podcast. It's Mike, Mike G. Oh, man. So I've been doing this podcast for, wow, five or six years. I think we're hundreds of episodes in. Um, one, I want to say thank you so much for being a listener and a follower of this podcast. If you're not, you should subscribe. You should leave a rating, a good rating, if you like the uh, value proposition we're offering you in all things preparedness. 
And I'm stoked to be doing this. I mean, it's my life's mission. It's my purpose. It's something that I've been doing for now six years and running. I mean, the cool thing about the opportunity that I've been given because of you, because of your support for our business, Philcraft Survival, is I'm able to concentrate most, if not all, of my efforts in this realm that is preparedness. I say most because most of the time that I'm spending time in business meets and doing things, um, but my guys and my team that I've put together over the years have allowed us to be your advocate and your subject matter expert in all things preparedness. This, this episode, I want to talk to you guys about some of the things that are going on with this uh, colonial pipeline, this gas debacle that's happening across the southeast portion of the United States, and, and talk about how you could be better set up for success in setting your mobility platform, which is the second pillar of preparedness, uh, your vehicle, um, with the best chances of succeeding. Yeah, we'll say succeeding. Uh, it's not winning. It, you should always be thriving. But I think succeeding, uh, being successful is a, is a part of this because a lot of the things that we advocate that you set your mobility rig up for are recreation. And if you're out getting out with the family, doing outdoor activities, that's a success. That's a great success. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, you, you're, you're hearing sponsored ads, which... You know, you know, a lot of people are like, why would you do ads? Well, we have to pay for this podcast for us to produce it, invest our time and efforts in it. But I want to say thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and then supporting our advertisers, our sponsors, because they're companies we believe in, and uh, we hope you do as well. So let's kick it off. All right, so let's talk about um, what mobility is. So when I started this idea of mobility, um, it derived from my experiences in special operations, overlanding all over the world, essentially, in Africa, when I was in Libya, uh, partly Algeria, uh, Niger, Africa, Chad, Nigeria, uh, the Middle East and Afghanistan, Iraq and Yemen, Pakistan, um, going to all these unique places all over the world, we had to conduct operations. And often we did that from a platform, a mobility platform. So some of the things that I teach in civilian training for how to set up your rig are best going to serve you in recreation, but as a contingency, they set you up for the worst case scenario. And it's similar to the experience in special operations. It's best setting you up for an operation, but if something goes wrong, you have the ability and contingencies in the way you equip and train and build out your vehicle to be set up uh, for the best chances of success. So the mobility idea is not my own. I mean, it comes from uh, a lot of years of experience and doing a lot of trips overseas and learning from people who, who literally do this for a living. I mean, they, they overland and go off-road in remote areas in South Africa, New Zealand, um, Australia, the Middle East, and they do it for part of their lives like that's just part of their lives not part of their lives but full-time part of their lives so um the mobility experience is not just about thinking um you know about building a hundred thousand dollar overland vehicle but also thinking about how you could best build out your rig with what you got i mean when i was in the military 
uh, spoiler alert, you, you don't make money in the military. Um, you, you don't do it because you, you're going to get paid. You, you live a mediocre life um, in, in finances, not, not, not in actual life because the life is pretty epic depending on your job. But you could build out your Honda Civic, your Mazda RX-7, your budget Corolla, Whatever you have, you could build it out to best suit your contingency needs. You know, a lot of the things that we talk about, even in homesteading and sustainment and, and being better prepared, has to fit primarily in the confines of your lifestyle and budget. And if it doesn't, then it's just going to be an unrealistic expectation. So a lot of the things that we talk about don't cost a lot of money to get involved in. So let me break it down for you. Um, the pillars of preparedness, by the way, are ways that we educate um, everybody in preparedness. It's our structure that we follow as a model in the company, but also a model in education. One, it's person, which is you as an individual, your mindset and resilience, your physical fitness, your health and wellness, your equipment, all those things are your, your person. It starts with you. The second pillar is your mobility platform, your vehicle. Because your vehicle, you're probably tethered to your vehicle. And if you think about it for a second, you, you'd probably realize you're more tethered to your vehicle and dependent on your vehicle than you actually think. For example, um, how far away is the grocery store that you shop at? Could you just walk there? How inconvenient or how difficult would it be to just walk? Would you burn more calories than what you'd buy in groceries to walk there? I mean, uh, just an example in Heber, I mean, for me, it's convenient because I could walk to the grocery store and it only take me a few minutes. But depending on where you live, that could take a long period of time. How are you transporting yourself and your family out of a bad situation? How are you transporting uh, yourself into a more rural situation from an urban populace that uh, during a worst case scenario would amplify all of the issues that you see, uh, hence the Colonial Pipeline. So... Um, we depend on our vehicles for our lifelines, for logistics, for support, uh, transportation, obviously, but to get a lot of things done in our normal everyday lives. So it's a, it's an important component. Um, it's also a bug out platform for getting out of the worst case. And that always has to be emphasized. It is the kind of last resort, um, logistical, uh, capability that it's going to allow you to, to break contact and get away from the bad circumstance. Also in the last pillar, we have homestead. Homestead includes um, everything in your house and your bed down location of where you sleep and how you sustain uh, and self-rely on yourself uh, through the long haul. So we encourage people to be more self-reliant by you know, growing your own food, at least a percentage, hunting your own food, at least a percentage, uh, storing water, storing food, storing medical supplies and hygiene supplies, and, and taking care of yourself and your family first and foremost versus depending on an institution, which is the alternative. So in looking at this pillar, which is um, uh, mobility, let's talk about it a little bit. So if you haven't been watching the news, um, good for you. I mean, there's nothing of interest on the news. It's all crazy stuff. But the Colonial Pipeline issue has become a prevalent news story on kind of things not to do. So if you're not familiar with the story, basically what happened 
is uh, the Colonial uh, Pipeline, which is a um, a pipeline that runs from you know southwest to northeast um, across the United States and feeds a lot of gas to all of the uh, distributors who distribute gas to the gas stations via all these trucks. So the the pipeline was hacked, and when it was hacked, it was hacked in uh, I believe Alabama. So what it says is, you know, I'll read you some of the, the stories. It says a sudden fuel shortage worsened the, across the eastern half of the U.S. on Wednesday after a cyber attack crippled a major pipeline. As long line, sharp words, and pumps gone dry greeted unhappy drivers from Alabama foothills to the Chesapeake Bay. Although government and industry officials said the nation had plenty of fuel and the pipeline was set to resume operations in the evening, Nervous drivers clogged gas stations and created shortages in parts or all of 11 states. Um, in parts or all of 11 states. At least 12,000 gas stations reported being completely empty, and the squeeze pushed the price of gallon past $3, its highest in years. The crisis was man-made, first by the ransomware attack on the systems of Colonial Pipeline that led the company to shut down its pipeline connecting Texas to New Jersey, then by a panic that led drivers to fill up out of fear the country could run out of gas. So I always wonder about this, right? And before I continue to read on, and that's the Washington Post, by the way, as a, as a reference. But, but what, like, so if you hear this, like if you hear the gas is going to be shut down, and, and it's rumors, it's rumit, which is called rumor intelligence. Uh, it's an it's a, uh, oxymoron. So if you hear that the gas lines are shut down and you don't get gas are you the good person? Are you the smart one? I mean, like, I love the criticism that comes of all these people who are taking it upon themselves to go get gas um, via the gas shortage. So who's the smart one here? Who's the paranoid? The guy who's going to the gas station, filling up his vehicle and filling up containers, or the guy who's talking crap about that guy sitting in his mom's basement, not really doing anything to upgrade his circumstance. Now, you should be the prepared, right? You should be the, uh, the, the, the person who looks at the challenges that we face in life, maybe follows Fieldcraft Survival, and then allows yourself to be set up for success so you don't have to go through this. But that's always confused me. Like, why are we attacking the people who are going to get toilet paper and paper towel rolls and gasoline? Um, is that a panic buy or is that just a buy because something's happening? I mean, that's, that seems like a normal reaction to me. All right, guys, we're going to interrupt this podcast and talk to you about our sponsor, Bespoke Post. This spring, as you get back to outdoors and exploring with your family, take Bespoke Post on all your adventures with a new lineup of the essential Box of Awesome collection for you guys out there, guaranteed to upgrade your life. Whether you're out taming the wilderness or taking your home bar to pro-level heights, Bespoke Post only sends guys the best stuff every month. No matter what you're into, Box of Awesome has you covered. From style and grooming goods to barware, cooking tools, and outdoor gear, Box of Awesome has collections for every part of your life. To get started, take the quiz of boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel at any time. Each box costs only $45. 
And with over $70 worth of gear inside, I'd say that's well worth its price. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code FIELDCRAFT at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com, code FIELDCRAFT for 20% off your first box. Let's get back to the podcast. Man, that's good. Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder. So I'm going to continue reading. It says, as federal officials, executives, and cybersecurity experts work to get the pipeline up and running amid the frenzy, the long lines of frustrated drivers were the latest, uh, or I'm sorry, the, were the latest reminder of a country vulnerable to shocks and recalled the queues outside of food banks, coronavirus testing centers, and grocery stores, stores over the past year. Again, what? I mean... The reason it seems like panic is because the gas stations are running out of gas because a lot of people are getting it. But again, are you smart or are you dumb if you don't get gas? So if you wait in line to get gas and you're considered one of the panicked ones and you go home with the gas in your vehicle and then in containers, now are you still dumb because it's like, how could you? Or are you actually smart? I don't get that. Gulf Coast storage facilities were awash in gasoline and jet fuel as refineries have kept up operating. But without the region's major pipeline in operation, there was little chance to resupply service stations. It was like the vulture swarming the gas pump, just driving around in circles, checking all the pumps. Uh, Yeah, that's what people do when they're out of gas. Um, So it says, we just got off the phone with Colonial Pipeline CEO. They're restarting the pipeline operations today at 5 p.m. And look, a lot of the things that um, happen with the Colonial Pipeline, um, for example, in North Carolina, 65% of stations were out of gas um, on Wednesday. So it was a couple days ago or a day ago. Um, More than 43% were out in Georgia and South Carolina and and Virginia. So a lot of this has stemmed from these industries and these uh, institutions for taking it upon themselves to shut down the infrastructure. Now, herein lies the ultimate problem with everything that um, we're talking about at Fieldcraft. If you depend on an institution that is responsible for feeding, for fending, for supplying um, millions of people, then you're asking for problems like this. You're just asking to be a victim. Because when you're not self-reliant, meaning you're depending on only you, you have to be dependent on everybody else. And the institution, once it collapses, cannot supply everybody in the chain. I mean, that's part of their business plan, right? Part of their business plan is distribution, um, mass distribution. And so when that happens and you have one point of failure, like the Colonial Pipeline, and one place, one company shuts it down in Texas, supplying everywhere in the southwest, or I'm sorry, southeast region, then what takes place? This takes place. It's the same thing that happened with COVID. When things started, one, the media is driving a lot of this this, uh, information, but when the media is driving this information, end users who hear this information are going out reactively and buying or doing or behaving however they see fit and accordingly. So if you depend on yourself, then these concerns, these worries, have nothing to do with you. And that's how I like to live. 
And that translates to mobility platforms, to vehicles when it comes to gasoline, when it comes to propane, when it comes to any kind of energy that sustains your life. Uh, Whether it's a vehicle or a home, um, you need to be self-reliant. So let's talk about mobility. And let's talk about some of the things that you can do in order to set yourself up for success. So first of all, um, I'm running a mobility experience um, in Spanish Fork in a, on a beautiful, pristine piece of land, 2,500 acres, very beautiful, where we can isolate and do this whole mobility experience where we do overland driving, off-road tactics and techniques, self-defense and security, recovery and maintenance, uh, survival, first aid. The list goes on. It's going to be an amazing time. It's all-inclusive. It's from 11 to 13 June in Spanish Fork. Now, you could pay for a vehicle or you could pay for multiple passengers in that vehicle because it, it's, it's all-inclusive, meals included. Uh, we, we are even going to have a chef out there to cook for us. So you're talking about this mobility overland experience with me and the crew from Philcraft 11 through 13 June in Spanish Fork, Utah. You can sign up at philcraftsurvival.com. So the reason I wanted to do this type of experience is because I want to make the things I'm going to talk about and setting up your rig convenient and also fun. I mean, let's 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 uh, let's uh, uh, take a step back and go. Hey, Philcraft, we're not making thing, things doom and gloom here. We want to make things entertaining and we want to make them fun. We want you to include yourself, your spouse, and if you have kids, your family. It's so important. It's so important to live this lifestyle. So, okay, let's take a vehicle. It doesn't matter what vehicle that you have. If you take your vehicle and you're thinking about upgrading your circumstance, look at fuel. Fuel is the way in which you can immediately increase your capability with only a few bucks. So you have to have fuel storage for fuel on your vehicle right now. The average fuel tank, 15 gallons to 30 gallons for a larger pickup truck, is not a lot of fuel. You're talking about a few hundred miles that you can get on one tank of gas. So the the first thing you could do is buy an extended fuel tank. Now, if you have an SUV, off-road vehicle, especially popular models like Tacomas, Tundras, uh, Forerunners, uh, even some uh, pickup trucks like Fords and Dodge, you could have an extended fuel tank. Long, Long Range America sells a great tank. I used to have their tank on my Dodge before I added the AT Overland Camper, which is a great camper, by the way. Um, you could also add a Titan tank, which fills up the reserve compartment where your spare tire would go. That's really cool, too, because getting 30 extra gallons, doubling your f- fuel capacity, also the time in between fueling is a huge advantage. You're getting more... Um, you're getting more with essentially less because you're not paying attention to that. You're putting in your vehicle. You're going to use it anyway in your commute. But if you're topped off during the worst case scenario, let's say it's a colonial pipeline, you have enough gas to get back and forth to conduct logistical supplies, to break contact and get your family off grid. And that should be your capability at all times. Never let your fuel tank get below half a tank of gas. It's simple. You run on fuel, and um, you run on full, and then when you get down to half a tank, you treat that like that's on empty, and you just refill it. Yes, you'll be refilling a little bit more frequently, but you should anyway because you should be thinking about this at all times. What I like to do is I have flat pack 
15-gallon fuel tanks that you can get on Amazon for 100 bucks that allows you to fill up and stick inside your trunk or the truck bed or in the back of your vehicle. People always tell me like, oh, Mike, why would you advocate for people putting fuel inside of a container inside of your car? And I would ask you, do you know where your fuel tank is? Your fuel tank is actually under your car in a container, very um, thin container, and it's under your car. So, yeah. And, and if you had a container that was uh, inside your car, people who race cars for a living, they put those tanks inside of their car because it's less dangerous. It's also a better place to put your fuel. So if you take a 15-gallon, for example, and you seal it up really good, and you, you screw it tight, it's not going to leak fumes into your car. Now, you should off-gas the fumes uh, in an open environment with that container, but I just want you to start thinking about this. If you have an empty trunk right now, ask yourself, like if you have a, a car, a sedan, and you have an empty trunk, why do you have an empty trunk? If you do, you're not maximizing your abilities because if you filled up that uh, trunk with first aid, survival, and even fuel, you would be set up for success in a contingency worst-case scenario. And it could be a natural disaster or like the Colonial Pipeline, a man-made disaster, and again, you're set up. So not only do I advocate for keeping fuel on hand in your vehicle, for overland expeditions, for extended range trips, but also for contingencies, I would also recommend you have those same containers at home. Like I have two 15 gallons, so I have 30 gallons in my garage. And if you have a lawnmower and you have a little five gallon or a, a couple gallons, then you have it in your garage anyway. So what's the problem in keeping 30 gallons inside of a couple containers at home? There's no problem in that. In fact, you could use that to upload into your lawnmower, into your vehicle, and cycle through it. Most of my vehicles have Rotapacks or jerry cans on the back anyways, and I use them to top off my fuel tank, and every once in a while, I'll cycle that fuel, just like in homesteading, I'd encourage you to cycle food, and then you just swap it out. Isn't that a big deal? The next thing you should focus on is tires. Now, you would be very surprised if I told you I've done overlanding expeditions, long-range reconnaissance and tactical operations all over the world, and I've seen it all. And one thing that really sticks with me is me driving a chopped Land Rover Defender 110 all over the world. I had different versions and variants of this vehicle. And I had a Land Rover 110 that was the best off-road vehicle you could ever find that was perfect for the Hindu Kush, for off-grid overlanding. Now, I was conducting tactical operations, but I thought it was pretty special. Until I was driving in the Hindu Kush. Uh, I was gunning, actually. Neil, my buddy, was driving. He was my driver. And we were driving around on long-range op. And lo and behold, I saw a car off in the distance, and it was coming towards us. And it was handling the off-road terrain just fine. And you know what it was? A front-wheel drive Toyota Corolla. I mean, basically a Corolla. It was the, it was the, the, the foreign version of it. 
So I want you to think about that. Like front wheel drive vehicles have always been known like, oh, you'd never want to use that off road because front wheel drive vehicles or cars period are lightweight. You have an advantage in moving off road. You have a lower gross vehicle weight. You have a lower load capacity, but also it's more nimble off road. So if you take that vehicle and you just add all terrains with a little bit of clearance, then you are increasing its capability tenfold. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of all terrains in different forms. I've tried them all. KM, you know, KM2s, uh, KO2s, um, um, Falcon, uh, uh, well, I can't name, remember the nomenclature of that, that tire. Um, Falcon ATs and MTs, all kinds of all-weather tires, foreign and domestic. I've tried them all. And really, I mean, yeah, there are differences. You're going to find different quality, um, you know, in the top three brands like Toy- Toyo, BF Goodwrench, and Falcon versus offshoot brands. But generally speaking, if you just get an all-terrain, an AT all-terrain is made for on-road and off-road, like this good balance. Most people who have daily drivers, you never spend a lot of time off-road to justify a mud terrain, which is a really aggressive as a pattern, but the AT all day long. Because now, even, even, even for my Sprinter, I have a Sprinter van, it's four-wheel drive, but I never use it on four-wheel drive. I just put ATs on it and it improves on-road and off-road capabilities so much that I don't really need it. The Vanagon, that's the company's Vanagon, it's a Philcraft Vanagon, it's a 1991 Volkswagen bus, a Westphalia Vanagon, and that vehicle would just all terrains with no limited slip differential, with no lockers, no four-wheel drive, has a lot of capability with a knobby all-terrain tire. And you could put all-terrains on your Civic and look cool, your Subaru. And it actually was a popular thing for a while because rally cars, which are really low to the ground, use all-terrain tires because they're going on and off-road, but they want to keep low to the ground for downforce um, and for um, better aerodynamics. So I would encourage you, no matter what vehicle you have, to look at what you can get all-terrain-wise. Look, Google it. Hit the forums. If, if you're thinking about it, it's probably already been done, and it's not a big deal. I'm a big fan of Subaru, Audis, uh, even Porsches, which will all have four-wheel drive versions. The Porsche has the 4S. The Audi has the Quattro. The Subaru has the Impreza and the WRX. And all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive are perfect in combination with all-terrain tires. Lastly, I want you to think about um, the equipment that you carry in your vehicle. Now, we do sell equipment, this shame, you know, shameless plug. Um, we develop equipment in mobility platforms because if I can convince you that having these contingency-based pieces of equipment are not only for the worst-case scenario, but the road accident or the rollover or the I locked my keys out of the car and now i got to spend the night in my car, whatever that is, whatever that emergency is, um, then, and, and it's on hand, then why not? So we have mobility bags, which are panel packs that allow you to access survival and first aid equipment on the back of your seat to have ready access. You could even put a tourniquet holder, which we make with a tourniquet, because if you're bleeding because of an accident, you want to be able to reach wherever that is and treat yourself. 
Um, but also, if you want to convert that panel into a backpack, a go bag, you can. You pop it off top and bottom, put the straps, connect them together, and you can throw it over your bag or over your back. And now you have a um, on-the-go go bag that has all of your first aid and survival gear. So we also just released our visor panel, our new visor panel. Uh, one, it's sexy. I encourage you guys to check it out. Like we, we invested a lot of time and effort in making sure we design the right pouches, the right parameters for having a visor panel that suits you. So we did that. So I have a rip-away visor panel that allows you to put med and survival right in your field of view. That's Velcro attached. You could pull off the whole panel to treat a casualty, which might be yourself, or you could take it on the go and move to the casualty and treat them as well. That's super important in this world of preparedness that we're talking about. Also, we designed loadout bags. The loadout bags are if you're going camping, if you're thinking about bugging out, and we make those in 20 liter, 40 liter, and 80 liter. They're not out yet. The 80 liter is online right now. The visor panel should be online by the time you hear this. The mobility bags are online right now. But as we start to develop all of these things, we want them to all be integrated into your mobility rig because they're not just, they're, they're not thought about. So in survival, I want you to think about the staples of survival. Making a fire, a staple. Uh, you got to make a fire. You got to keep your core body temperature warm. You got to be able to protect. You got to be able to signal. And if you don't have a propane lighter, a big lighter, um, a fire starter, hurricane matches, the list goes on, tender, even wood. In my Land Cruiser, I have a cork of wood in my Land Cruiser. Mike, why would you have a cork of wood? Well, because I like overlanding where there's not wood, period. There's juniper, and it's a pain in the butt to light. So I have a cork of wood because if I want to start a fire to eat, to signal, to, I don't know, stay warm and maintain my uh, core body temperature, I have that on hand. Also, water. Don't, think, don't just think about having the gallon containers full of water in your trunk, which you should have, but also think about purifying water for the future. If you're in the middle of rural America, off-grid camping with your family, and your vehicle breaks down with no cell phone reception and hours away from anything, well, you're probably going to dislocate and go find help. So you need to take your mobility bag on the go. You need to take a bladder, maybe a camel back, fill it with water, uh, or it's already filled with water, and then take that on the go. So I want you to think bladders, blivets, and containers. Bladders, blivets, containers. That sounds weird saying it that way. Um, first aid, stopping the bleed. Tourniquets, Cat 7 North American Rescue tourniquet, no-brainer. Also, gauze and compression to allow you to stop the bleed via a puncture or cavitational wound. Super important. But most important is where you put it in your vehicle. If you don't have it somewhere readily accessible, then what's the point? Like a lot of people get these kits from Bass Pro or Cabela's and they buy them and they throw them in their trunk and you've never opened it. You don't even know what's in the bag. It just says survival first aid and you're like, thumbs up and I, I got this. No, you don't got it because you haven't trained on it and you don't even know what's in the bag. So have the equipment somewhere uh, readily accessible and know exactly what equipment you have. We recommend carrying the Vehicle Trauma Response Kit, which we sell on philcrowdsurvival.com, and putting that inside of your mobility bag, and then taking our basic hemorrhage response kit and put that in your visor panel. That allows you to have it in, uh, 
and almost your field of view. It's right above you on the visor, but also allowing you to access that vehicle trauma kit for um, either multiple casualties or more complex wounds and trauma. So survival and um, first aid. Let's talk about last, let's talk about um, maintenance and recovery. Now, I've, I've recovered myself winching, uh, using max tracks, um, even refueling fuel um, on my own because I do a lot of solo travel. I just enjoy it. I mean, I'm, I enjoy being kind of off-grid away from people on my own. So when I do go out on my own, I always make sure I have the right equipment maintenance and recovery-wise. One time I was in Goldendale, Washington, and I had my Land Cruiser 100. Sorry, I took a plane. A plane. All right, guys, we're going to interrupt the podcast and talk to you about our sponsor, Headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep, focus, act, and really just feel better? Well, there is. If you have about 10 minutes of time in your day, Headspace can and will change your life. I've been using Headspace for a little while now here at work, and it has drastically helped me increase my productivity, helps me feel healthier, happier, and more present in my everyday life. So you deserve to feel better. I deserve to feel better. We all do. And take the time to use Headspace. It's meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash fieldcraft. That's headspace.com slash fieldcraft for a free one-month trial with access access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered anywhere right now. Head to headspace.com forward slash fieldcraft and get your meditation on. All right, guys, back to the podcast. But I had my Land Cruiser 100 and I was in the, um, I, I conducted a carbine class and I left and I was in the middle of kind of nowhere. Outside of Goldendale in Washington, it's pretty remote. But I was kind of displaced from kind of infrastructure, and I was probably an hour, maybe even more, from the closest town. Uh, Goldendale, uh, the Dolls was the closest town. Uh, Goldendale actually has a town, um, real small town. But I don't know if it, they had any equipment or anything that I could uh, use to fix my broken down vehicle. My Land Cruiser 100's alternator crapped the bed, like it just died. So now I'd had no battery power. I couldn't drive because the electronics uh, overrode my ability to drive some vehicles like my Jeep, the alternator went out. And as long as you're moving, you're good. But as soon as you stop, it turns off. I didn't even have that option. So if I would have had a spare alternator, which man, I never thought I'd have it needed to carry a spare alternator. But if I was doing backcountry, long duration, long range movements, I might do that. Also, I want to be able to have the ability to change tires um, that, that's, that's part of recovery. So have a tire repair kit, have the tools that you need to fix the common things that break on your vehicle and understand how to diagnose it. I always use the analogy, like, um, your brain is like your car. And if you're driving your car and you see smoke coming out of the hood, just like you would be overwhelmed by stress. If you don't know how to diagnose that in your head or under your hood, then you're just going to continue to run on fumes and potentially break something. So knowing your brain, just like knowing your car, is very important. Because as soon as you start determining what these uh, symptoms are, you could start lulling them, reducing risk, and not allowing things to compound themselves into the worst-case scenario. 
And that's very important when you look at worst case scenarios. There's always steps leading up to it. And there's always a tipping point where it brings you on the other side, the brink of failing. Um, I also like to think about um, recovery with winches, toe straps, max tracks, and even rotapacks. So all of these things are pieces of equipment that allow me, if I'm stuck, to get out or if I break down to allow me to continue moving. So I like to use a 10,000K synthetic lined worn winch. Now there's different types of worn winches. Um, you can't go wrong with worn winch, but I have the 10,000 pound version with synthetic line. I, I don't like steel braided line. It's a, it's a, it's a lot dangerous. Um, but 10,000 pounds is plenty for most midsize SUVs. If you've got a bigger truck, uh, big, a lot of accessories, a lot of stuff, you might want to go more than 10K, but 10K is pretty adequate for most vehicles. And have the ability to self-recover or self-winch. So I like the factory 55 adapters. Um, you need to have uh, shackles. You need to have toe straps that allow you to get around trees, uh, around other vehicles, and to facilitate that. Imagine if you're by yourself. I've done this before. We're in the middle of nowhere and you have no winch points and you have to get out. Well, instead of winching, you might look at Max Tracks. Max Tracks, uh, which is uh, imported into the U.S. via uh, Adventure Imports, uh, owned by a buddy of mine named Matt. If you have Max Tracks, that allows you to get over most obstacles because it gives you back traction. It's a big piece of plastic that has a whole bunch of uh, serrated, knobby, traction points you stick it underneath the wheel and allows you to get that couple feet of traction to get back on the road or in this case back on the dirt to continue moving um i like to have tire repair kits i also like to have tools and i also like to have um maintenance pieces even oil that i might have on hand to top myself off all of these things fit in this realm of mobility this is you preparing not only for um, you know, the breakdown, the contingency, but also that worst case scenario. What happens if you have to bug out of an urban environment because of a catastrophe? Let's say it's a hurricane or a mass flood. You don't want to sit there and just suck it up. If you have the homestead squared away, your house is squared away. Yeah, that's, there's a point to that. But if you have the ability to break contact, displace, recover, and then come back to that, that's the best practice. Guys, I, I love the subject about mobility rigs, man. I have the most fondest memories and war uh, and also civilian life of doing these overland trips. I hope you enjoy it like I do. Uh, I want to tell you about our, uh, lastly, I want to tell you about our project that we're building out for you for Overland Expo. We will be at Overland Expo in September. I'm so pumped about it. If you haven't got tickets, look, Google Overland Expo West, Flagstaff, Arizona, we will be there in a prime booth with all of our stuff, and I'm building a couple rigs that will be highlighted there. One, I'm building a new Polaris uh, Ranger. I'm sorry, a Polaris uh, General. Um, I own a Polaris Ranger, but a Polaris General that we're going to build out as the ultimate bug-out UTV side-by-side. -side. I used to use those in special operations. I've jumped them out of aircraft. And then I'm going to build a 1994 H. JZ75. Uh, it's a 75 series Land Cruiser pickup truck, but it's a quad cab. So it, it has four seats and then it has a short bed truck bed. Um, this is a turbo diesel 
um, pickup truck, a 1HD. I think it's 1HD. Um, but it has the turbo conversion and is prime built for overlanding and off-roading. And there's only a couple of them in the country. We'll have ours at the Overland Expo booth uh, highlighted with all of our equipment. I'm so stoked about it because I love this genre. I love the community. I'm a big fan of overlanding. Uh, if you have it, if you want to pick up a good periodical, what I recommend is Overland Journal. Uh, also, Eastman's Elevated. Those are my two favorite uh, journals, uh, Overland Journal and Eastman's Elevated. I would also encourage you to go on the Expedition Portal forum and learn more about overlanding and asking questions for those that do it all the time. Look, it, it's a great community to belong to. It gets you into this realm of preparedness. And again, you guys, guys can come join me for this uh, whole entire experience that we're calling the mobility experience 11 through 13 june it's going to have um segments where uh, kevin owens mike hernandez kevin estella austin lesser teach all their pieces because they're subject matter experts and it's all inclusive um we include all mills we include all training apparatuses it's going to be super fun guys come out and hang out with us june 11th through the 13th um you can sign up for it at philcraft survival Dot com. Uh, I want to say thank you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to me uh, run my suck. I'm going to finish this plenty and um, get out of here. Nobody's here at the office right now. If you haven't visited us yet, Heber City headquarters um, in Utah, you would love it. We got a pro shop and a wonderful staff of people here to help you out in all things preparedness. Until next time, stay alert, stay alive.